0: Hello, everyone. It's VG. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Med Perspectives. Today, I'm here with Isha and with a very special guest. Today, we have Dr. Atasha Jordan. Um, You might have seen her on Instagram at her handle at Atasha Jordan, or you may even have seen her on your For You page. She's um, also on TikTok at Dr. Atasha. And so she's actually uh, currently a psych resident in Philly, and she is a... um, you know, really um, passionate doctor that we're really excited to talk about. She's also the founder of this really cool program called Dual Degree Docs, which kind of helps, you know, students who are pursuing a dual degree in the medical field. So we're really excited to talk to her today about her dual degree and about um, psychiatry and mental health in general. So without further ado, um, Dr. Jordan, please go ahead, and introduce yourself.
1: Thanks so much, VG. I am really excited to have the chance to chat with you guys, uh, to be able to share with your listeners. And as a way of an intro about me, so I always like to share, I'm originally from the Caribbean. I was born in Barbados, and I also have Trinidadian and Sabagonian roots. Um, And I share that just because, for me, the Caribbean is home, even though I've lived in the U.S. for the majority of my life. Um, but that being said, uh, in terms of like some of the pertinent things, I think probably that pre-meds will care the most about, I went to undergrad in Cambridge. So I went to Harvard for undergrad, graduated in 2013, and then I went to Penn Med for med school. So that's University of Pennsylvania, and also went to Wharton for business school. So when you're talking about the dual degree, I have a dual degree with my medical degree and my business degrees as an MD, MBA. Um, So that's kind of a little bit about the background. And I think, as you had mentioned, I'm also a second year resident in psychiatry. And with my background as a Christian, I think something I've recognized recently is I really want to be able to delve deeply into the intersection of spiritual health and mental health and kind of how those are really interconnected. Um, So that's kind of a little bit about me and happy to kind of chat with you guys uh, for the next few minutes.
2: Awesome. I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to talk about that intersection between the mind and body connection, especially as it relates to medicine. Um, As a lot of our listeners know, we're all interested in in going into osteopathic medicine. So that's definitely one of our big interests. So Dr. Jordan, I am really interested in the fact that you did a dual degree business and medicine. So do you think you could talk a little bit more about that and why you chose that degree and that, that path to go down?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Isha. So I definitely have to start in college to kind of really explain the story. And if I were to really, really go back, I'd probably have to start like as my childhood, but that would take too long. Um, But the pertinent parts are in college, I basically had every side hustle known to man. Uh, My friends knew that I was either working uh, second jobs or third or fourth jobs. Uh, I did hair on campus. So I made money on the side doing hair. I did makeup as well. I tutored. I did everything that you could think of under the sun. Um, And a lot of that for me was just the idea of the creativity that comes from being able to be an entrepreneur and to be able to think of an idea, think whether that's a service or a product, and then be able to really convince your customer or your consumer that, it's a value and that they should give you your money or give you their money. So that's how I just always had that like drive on the inside of me to want to be able to be in the entrepreneurial space. Um, But I actually have always wanted to be a doctor for basically most of my conscious life. I remember from the time I was about four years old. um, I had an experience in church actually where my pastor, he basically prophesied over my life that he had seen that I would become a physician. And It kind of stuck with me throughout my life and growing up I really just realized that medicine and being able to be a doctor specifically someone who is diagnosing treating teaching um, that was what I really saw myself doing so in college I didn't really have a full idea of how exactly those two things would blend together but when I graduated I definitely knew I wanted to be able to do business and medicine for my future career that honestly was probably a huge part of why I actually even went to Penn, because I knew it had both programs and they were excellent in both medicine and business. So when it then gets to the point of when I applied to the programs, initially I thought I was gonna do something along the lines of like health, like hospital administration or you know lead a hospital, be the CEO of a hospital system. I think that's kind of what I told myself and told people. Um, but as I've kind of grown and matured and really learned more about myself, I realized that I really do care about creating. So for instance, you guys mentioned that I work with dual degree docs. It's a business I founded with a friend of mine where we work to help pre-meds really navigate through the process of getting into med school. For those who are interested in MD, MBAs, we help them or any other dual degree programs, we help them with that as well. But for me, it's the process of truly creating something that is valuable. And whether that's, uh, as I said before, a product or a service, that's something that brings me joy and getting to do that while also practicing medicine is the icing on the cake.
0: I think it's um, so amazing that you were able to do all of those different things as an undergrad like we're undergrads right now and it's like um, it's kind of crazy to think that you were able to manage all of that so definitely that's huge congratulations to you but also like you know keeping your long-term goal of, you know, medicine in mind, you know, and I really think it's cool how you're kind of integrating the two and using that to, um, you know, again, you're talking about your vision of creating. So Mm -hmm. kind of going with that and kind of going with like the psychiatry, what made you, you know, interested in that field and how are you kind of like integrating business into that?
1: Yeah, so that's a good point. I think honestly, when I think about how I got to the point of currently being a psychiatry resident, I literally always tell people it is God. Um, I started med school with zero intentions of being a psychiatrist. And actually, I remember I filled out one a survey where it basically like ranked which specialties were most fitting for you. And I can't remember exactly what position it was. I, and I tried really hard to find the results of this survey, but I remember psychiatry being definitely in the top three, if not the first one. And But my gut reaction was just psychiatry, absolutely not. This survey is wrong, this survey is bogus, like this is not for me. Uh, but then fast forward to the point of my clerkship year and my clerkship experience in psychiatry where I still honestly did not see myself going into psychiatry because I I see myself as a very caring person. And I thought that I would honestly be too connected and be too triggered almost by the experiences that others have that can be very sad in psychiatry. But it ended up being the exact opposite. When I I remember my first day of my uh, rotation, my clerkship at the Veterans Hospital in Philly, I specifically remember standing in the room where the veterans were, and they kind of had this system every morning where the veterans will kind of share what their goals are, their ambitions are after their discharge. And something about that meeting really touched me, I think, in a spiritual way of being able to see the hope that the veterans had for their recovery from their mental illnesses and that hope that the patients had really resonated with me in a way that I found to be really beautiful Um, and in a way that I thought, wow, like it would be really great to be a part of that process to help people who are experiencing mental health challenges to experience recovery and to experience wellness. And really just kind of over the course of that rotation and then with my sub-internships as well in psychiatry, it really was incredibly clear to me. Not only did I love the work, I loved the patients, Uh, I think I was also really good at it. I think it's always nice to get reaffirmed when you're good at the thing you like doing. Um, So that's how I ended up in psychiatry because I really had no intention of doing it, but I felt very much pulled toward it. And I'm really happy because I, I love my experience now as a psychiatry resident. So I'm glad that I eventually was pushed in the direction towards psychiatry.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's crazy how you'll think that you're going to do one thing and then you end up at the next. I know that I did not plan to come to MSU for undergrad. That was probably like, I was like, I'm not going to end up at MSU. I'm probably going to end up somewhere else. And I just think it's crazy how sometimes the things that we think are absolutely not going to happen are the ones that actually end up
1: happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing now, whenever I give my mentees advice, and I love mentoring students. I always say expect the unexpected and be prepared for things to happen that you never could have imagined. Um, And I think when you allow yourself to be open to the fact that life honestly can just be so, so different than you thought, it can be even more beautiful than you had imagined. So yeah, no, I think it's it's true. I I think honestly this year is probably even giving us a better idea of the fact that we cannot predict at all what is gonna happen in life.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I got an apartment this year for the first time thinking that the experience was going to be completely different. And then I kind of went into it, like dreading it because I was like, oh, we're not going to have classes, it's going to be horrible. But yeah, like you said, it's just a whole different type of beautiful and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Even though we have a pandemic, it's just kind of nice to just be with my roommates. And yeah, so life can definitely take lots of turns and you just have to kind of appreciate it and love it so I actually want to talk to you about your residency so yeah so residency as most pre-meds know is a super scary time a super super difficult time so do you think you could give us like the reality of residency especially the psychiatry resident I think that that's like something that we really haven't talked about on the podcast yet how like what are the hours how how do you manage studying with with your residency give us all of that.
1: Okay, yeah, for sure. I'd be happy to. Um, I think, so in addition to feeling connected to the work and to the patients, I would be lying if I did not say I also felt connected to the work-life balance. I really, really, really enjoyed the idea that I, as a psychiatrist, could create a life where there is a defined period of time where I was at work and being able to be effective for my patients, but then I could go home at a reasonable hour And enjoy life outside of work. So, that to me was one of the big draws. Um, So, thinking about psychiatry residency, I'll kind of start top down and give a good idea of what it looks like. So, it is a four year residency. Um, A lot of programs will be split kind of in half, where the first two years are mostly inpatient. So, you're dealing with acute psychiatric illnesses, Uh, some consults, you're dealing with emergency psychiatry as well. The second two years tend to be outpatient. So, that's where you're kind of seeing your follow-ups or new patients on the outpatient basis where you're doing like medication management or also doing some therapy as well. So as I mentioned before, I'm currently a second year, so I've only experienced at my program the inpatient perspective so far. And I think one of the things big picture wise, I would definitely say psychiatry compared to other residency programs, we have a much better work-life balance. So we have time to do good work, but then also go home, rest, relax, do things that make us feel restored, make us feel whole and well, whether that's mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, all of the above. But intern year, regardless of what residency program or specialty you're in, intern year is hard. And psychiatry intern year residency is no different. Uh, I think when I went through my intern year, I enjoyed my psychiatry work quite a bit, um, but we were Basically, it felt like I was always on call. We had a weekday call, we had weekend call where we were working a lot of weekends. And then when you were doing your non-psychiatry rotations, you basically were just always working. (laughs) That's what it felt like to me. So intern year, definitely, definitely challenging, but you learn a lot uh, so that to the point now as a second year, my call schedule is way better. We only do one weekend call day per month, which is beautiful. So that means I basically have three out of four weekends off per month, which for residency is not very common. Um, So that's something I enjoy because I feel like I get to live life while still doing good work throughout the week. And we're doing a lot of kind of, as I said before, the inpatient acute work. And then for my next two years, once I get to the third and fourth year levels, then I'll get to learn more about outpatient, learn different types of therapy, whether that's one individual therapy or family therapy or group therapy, all of those different kinds of uh, therapy modalities will be, I guess, new skill sets that I'll get to add to my toolkit.
0: Okay, so I um, thank you for running through that. So obviously, it you know, seem like the intern year is a lot, but um, so with that, kind of, how do you kind of balance your, like, you know mental health with all of that or you know i know you're really into spiritual health as well so kind of how do you you know balance those and how do you use that to make you feel better
1: oh yeah so i definitely want to talk about that because um for me personally and for a lot of people actually if you were to think about even just the us as a whole so it the data show that still to this day even though the country is becoming less religious the majority of people still are religious and or spiritual. So over 50% of the country identifies as religious and about 75% identify as spiritual. So that's important information to know because for me as an individual, but then also for the patients that you guys will treat in the future for just the people you interact with on a day-to-day basis, recognizing that spirituality and spiritual health is so integral to how we feel well. Um, and one of the things to think about of what it even means to have spiritual health, right? So there tons of different ways that you can think about what spiritual health is. What I like to think about, um, some of the research that I've kind of looked into, kind of thinks on two spectrums. So you have connection, and that's connection to God or a higher power, to others and to nature. But then you also have a sense of self and sense of purpose. So for me, it's important to really identify and kind of outline what spiritual health is, because when you're looking to feed into that and to nourish spiritual health, you have to kind of understand what it is to begin with. Um, So for me, the things that I'm able to do that allow me to connect with God, connect with other people, connect with nature, I go on lots of hikes. So even though I live in Philly, what I love about Philly is it's super close to a lot of nature, actually. So I get to go on hikes pretty often. I go to church. I'm involved in my church. I have Bible study with my church. I connect with others and with God. So whether that's praying, reading my Bible, things like that. So those are things that feed me spiritually. From a sense of self, sense of purpose, I am continuing to find on a daily basis what brings me joy, the thing that makes me excited, the thing that makes me feel like I'm fulfilling some sort of purpose in the world. Psychiatry is a huge part of that, honestly. Like I actually really feel that Um, A lot of my purpose on this planet is to be able to be a good doctor and to be able to treat my patients. So that brings me a lot of joy. Um, And I think what's really great is that psychiatry because of the good work-life balance allows the time for that. From a mental health perspective, I think there are a lot of things that go into that. So what is mental health, right? So it's the idea of how our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors are intertwined and how they are working either well or there's some kind of dysfunction in those three that causes maybe mental illness or challenges that people might have. So with those things, I, I would recommend, honestly, I always recommend therapy to basically everybody. <laughs> I think regardless of whether you have a mental health illness or whether you're just someone trying to make it through the challenges of day-to-day life, therapy can be incredibly helpful for that. And it's something that I personally have found to be incredibly helpful for me as I progress just through my journey um, of life. So that's probably one of the biggest things I do for my mental health. and just connecting with my friends and doing things I enjoy, like doing some interior decor projects at home, playing Scrabble, stuff like that um, are really, really helpful. And so, yeah, I think I have the time for it, the space for it, and being able to prioritize it because I care so much about my spiritual and mental wellness that I want to make sure I emphasize that, but also trying to make sure that I kind of open up the conversation for others to think about their spiritual and their mental well-being as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's really important, especially as a doctor, to realize that a lot of Americans do believe in God. And especially if they're in the hospital, if they're going through, you know, crisis is like, like whatever they're going through, they're going to go back to God and that's what's going to give them comfort. So I think it's really important as a doctor to understand that and to be able to comfort your patient from a spiritual and religious point of view. And um, I'm really glad that you're talking about like ways that you can, um, Feed yourself spiritually. I definitely agree. Nature is a big thing. I Whenever I'm upset, I also really like to just kind of go outside for a few minutes, take a few drinks. Um. Uh, deep breaths of fresh air it's, it really does change you so my question to you is of course a lot of people as students and I know you probably don't get that much time to do all these like you know nourishing things as well so how can people whether they believe in God or whether they're spiritual or not how can they improve their you know spirit to mind to body connection so that their overall uh, well-being is improved and their mental health is improved
1: Yeah, so I think the point that you emphasize of busyness and the fact that it can be hard to make these things a priority because of the busy lifestyles that we lead, particularly as pre-med students. Once you get to the med school phase, it just gets even busier, to be honest, um, or it feels busier anyway, but... There are ways, the the things I think about are really prioritizing, and it's not to say that you're going to spend one hour, two hours, three hours a day prioritizing your mental health or your well-being, but it's thinking of the things that you can do throughout the day that will be able to help you. So, Isha, as you mentioned, the fact that you said if you're not feeling so great, you kind of just like pop outside, get some fresh air, take deep breaths. It's being able to recognize for yourself what are some of those soothing mechanisms that you have that you are aware of that you can utilize at the drop of a dime to be able to just kind of help you feel better in the moment. So that's one of it. So some other people might, maybe they might read a book, listen to music, maybe go on a walk, maybe work on an arts and craft project, do a painting, go out to dinner with friends. Those are just some examples of the types of things that can be built into your life that promote your wellness. Um, but then you can also really be proactive about it as well, where I think, I remember for me in my clerkship year of medical school, which is one of the hardest years when you're working in the hospital, working lots of hours and studying and doing all of that together, I had to be very purposeful about the fact that I could not get to church every Sunday, which is something that I really enjoy doing because I was working a lot of Sundays. And a lot of the things that I had previously been able to do, I just couldn't. So I tried, as, and I mean, I didn't do this every single day, but As many days as I could I tried to do a dedicated 15 minutes every morning, where I would do five minutes of reading my Bible five minutes of praise and worship five minutes of prayer. And as often as I could, I tried to just like implement that in the mornings and it was it created such a shift as to how I would even just walk into the hospital because I felt like I had centered myself spiritually. So I shared that to say that I think you can think of what are some rituals that you can kind of build into your day, whether that's drinking a cup of tea in the morning that helps you to feel soothed or things of that nature that will help you to feel more centered when your day begins. So that's just kind of an example of how you can be proactive about thinking about your spiritual and mental health, but then also having some back pocket things that you can kind of pull out when things start to get a little bit challenging.
2: Yeah, I think that's really important. I think the ritual thing is really important because I feel like n- nowadays, especially, we kind of wake up, we go on our phones and mm-hmm. that's very much like, of I don't know if this is a word, but like uncentering behavior. But I've noticed that on the days that I'll kind of wake up, not touch my phone, I'll drink a cu- cup of water, I'll like, like, you know, just kind of relax and be there in the moment. I feel so much better those days. And I know a lot of people say like, the first thing you should do when you wake up is make your bed so you've already accomplished something. I think that's also like a really good way to just kind of start your day to center yourself, to to tell yourself that, you know, I've already accomplished something. It's gonna be a really good day. So I think the routine thing is really important. And I think you don't even need 15 minutes, even if it's just a five minute thing, a two minute thing in the morning before you touch your phone. I think that's really, that can be really helpful in the long run and obviously you're not going to see the benefits really fast it's going to probably take a couple of weeks to months to really feel like you're seeing a difference in yourself but I think it's really important I think it's worth it so to anyone listening I think that's really important that's a really good takeaway from this podcast is to kind of find your morning routine or find even a night routine that you can implement into your day-to-day life that's going to help center you
1: yeah no completely agree completely agree with that
0: And Dr. Jordan, I really like how, you know, for you, it's, you know, you kind of incorporate, you know, saying your prayers, reading your Bible. So I think, you know, obviously, for somebody else, it may look different what they do to, you know, you know, maintain their, you know, spiritual health, their balance. But I think, again, it's really important that people do that. I think I'm really glad that, you know, that was something you talked about today, because, you know, we hadn't really had a person, you know, really talk about this subject. So um, with that, we kind of are getting to the end of our podcast. But before we um, head out, I just kind of wanted to ask, like, for the pre-med medical students out there, what would just be your, you know, general like, tip or advice for students trying to get through this process?
1: For sure. So I my biggest piece of advice is always this one thing. It is to be authentically the fullest version of yourself. And I think a lot of times pre-med students really try to kind of fit the mold of what it means to be the perfect pre-med and I actually have a blog post on my blog uh, related to this, but It's just the idea that you no one can be you the way that you can be. So if you are just authentically being yourself. If you do things that you love um, And you do it excellently. That is honestly the way that you are able to best impress the medical school committees. And I can say that as someone who has been on admissions committees, I was on the admissions committee when I was in med school. And for me, it was whether like, I don't know, I didn't do traditional pre-med things, to be honest. I did a little bit of shadowing. I did a little bit of research, but I was doing the entrepreneurship I talked about earlier. I was involved in in theater. I did teaching. I traveled. I did things that I loved and I did them excellently so that when I wrote my personal statement, you could see the passion just kind of Growing through the personal statement, when people wrote about me and what I did, they wrote about how passionate and how dedicated I was to those things. And it didn't matter that it wasn't so much related to medicine, but more so that the skill sets that I learned in those things and the ways that I show that I'm dedicated to the things I care about, that's what was really like, that's what stood out in my application and the fact that I was like a leader and things like that. So that's why I really recommend like be you don't try to like do the cookie cutter things if that's not authentic to you because you it'll kind of come off as just kind of boring if you're trying to be someone you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Jordan. I That is definitely a piece of advice that, you know, like I think it's really um, important to remember because a lot of times people can get caught up in trying to be the perfect applicant. Well, the perfect applicant isn't one ideal. It's each person you know it's really you know it's they have to take different paths to be the best that they can be and so I think it's really important that you know you mentioned that so that maybe one person's route won't look like someone else's so again thank you so much for um, taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us we really appreciate it again everyone make sure to check out uh Dr. Tasha's um Dr. Atasha Jordan's content. Again, her Instagram is at Atasha Jordan. She's also on TikTok at at Dr. Atasha. Um, Again, she was a wonderful guest to speak to. And um, catch us next week at the Perspectives. We will have more content for you guys. Thank you.